Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everybody. I just want to give you a quick content warning for a discussion of self-harm, homophobia, and transphobia during a discussion of The Missing, which starts at about 57, 58 minutes, somewhere in there, and goes until around uh, an hour and 17, hour and 18, hour and 19 minutes. I can't give you a specific number because the ads in our podcast are added algorithmically, which means you might get 30 seconds or 90 seconds of ads, or you might get zero seconds of ads, and that will determine the timestamp. But again, from about 57 minutes to about an hour and 18 minutes, is uh, is when the content warning is. So so uh, enjoy. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, November 25th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 205. I am your host, Austin Walker, and joining me today, Danielle Riendo. Hi, hello. And Patrick Clever coming to us from... What a shit show. You're lucky I'm even here. You should be grateful, (laughs) Waypoint audience, that I made it to this podcast. (laughs) What a shit show. What What happened? What's going on? There's snow outside. I love snow. I love winter, but... Man, so Ugh. last night. Are you saying we should be grateful that you're not out frolicking in the beautiful, crisp white snow? <laughs> well, no, because it, it out here, it was warm enough. When, so a foot of snow came down in a lot of parts of the Midwest. Uh, out here, mm-hmm. it was just warm enough in the morning for it to rain for the first three hours of that. Mm-hmm. And oh. then it turned to slush and then turned to snow. And then now the roads and everywhere is just a mixture of all three of those. And last night when I should have been just... Really enjoying whether, should, do I want the Vikings to lose? Do I want the Packers yeah. to lose? They're fighting each other. I win either way. Like, just a joyous moment in which the pain and misery of so many years comes to this moment where I can watch the, these creatures beneath me fight for scraps. Um, <laughs> moments, moments away from the end of the fourth quarter, like, as I'm, as I'm sipping my bourbon, just, and, like, full house. You know, it goes out. It's used to snow. Like, snow is not a big deal. That is usually knock your power yeah. out unless it's, like, a really freak yeah. storm. But this one happened to have just a ton of wind associated with it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the kind of howling wind where, like, I heard it knocking against the house. But once I, like, went and, like, opened a door and was just like, oh, that seems really gnarly out. And then my wife comes out. She'd just gone to bed. And uh, all of a sudden she's like, look at the sky. And we, like, look in the sky and we just see these big sparks. And then... <laughs> Uh, like sparks on like both sides of the block where like, I don't know if it was a transformer or if it was mm. power lines, but like, I mean, it was either an alien invasion or aliens. Or, that yeah. why I described it to Austin as this was happening Alice. in real time. Yeah, that's what I'm... It was like either aliens are coming down, which is cool, right? Like ex- confirmation of extraterrestrial life. Finally. Like I'm into it. Like the alien alloys are here. They knew I was talking about them. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, like the power was out. And then naturally your power is connected to your heat, which means the heat was out. 
all night. Um, but Ooh, th- thankfully, uh, the, wa- the water heater had enough that we were able to take a shower in the morning. But it's And then my kid's daycare was closed for the first couple of morning, couple hours. It's a lot. But I'm here. Welcome. Thank well, you. Glad you. We're glad we found you. We, we brought you in from the cold, from the snow. It's not uh, even that cold, which is even the worst, because it's probably going to start melting and turn into ice for, like, the next week. And, ugh. Mm. Oh, I hate that. That's actually the worst thing. Yeah. That is the worst possible thing. Like, I, I I, know that we have differing opinions on this on this call about the winter. Mm-hmm. We sure Danielle, do. You are an anti-winter person. I Very like being bundled so. up. I like being in oh, these yeah. coats and sweaters. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fall winter person more than a spring summer person. Um, I like the spring, but I re- fall is my favorite, and winter can be cl- closer to fall than summer can be to fall. Let me Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let me pause it. This: yeah. What if you were a summer fall person? No such thing. That's me. I exist. I'm no. I'm here and I'm valid. Couldn't I am a summer me. fall. You're person. valid. You're valid. You're valid. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but I could not be. I could not be a summer person because I, I've said this before. There's a point at which with heat, there is no way to get cooler. Whereas with cold, I can always put on another fucking layer. I can always crawl under another blanket. I can always turn the heat up a little bit more. I can't do Medically that. Medically speaking, it, that's not true. I of course it's not true. But a hundred and five degree day, it feels true. It feels like I'm I'm in a cold shower and I'm still hot. I'm naked in a cold shower. I'm still hot. What is going on? I can't live like this. That is that is the experience for me in summer, especially in New York summers, which are like real can get They're really rough. rough. Um, they're not the roughest summers I've ever been to, but they're they're pretty rough. Regardless, the the man, I've already lost. I'm down deep in the winter, winter, summer the debate. I mean, Where I even enjoyed the I first going? like five minutes of shoveling snow, and then I realized I had another twenty. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. The thing that I don't like is ice. That's the one thing that I can concede about. Yeah, ice is sucking. bad. What is yeah? Other than ice unless you're bad. skating on it. Ice and, w- and even then, I, that feels dangerous. There's a lot of things about ice skating <laughs> that scare me as a person. You have blades on your feet. Yep. What if? That's my question. Just what if? I, I'll just Anything say, could happen. I get a lot of really, really depressing calls in the winter. I Real depressing ones. I bet you, you die do. a lot faster in the cold than the heat. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. That makes sense. I'd rather die in the cold than the heat, though. I really would. Yeah? Just, you know, yeah. Just, just well, you would go. Out, you would eventually go numb go. in the cold, right? Yeah. So like your body. Sometimes you well, actually have paradoxical, like severe hypothermia can actually be paradoxical. People will oh. take their clothes off. They'll feel hot, hot and take their right. clothes off and be like, "I'm so hot," mm. and they have like necrotic tissue, and it's really, it's terrible. Bodies suck. Bodies are I, terrible. I am, oh, I'm ready to move on. <laughs> you know, fuck the fuck the you know Ray Kurzweil's of the world and all that, but. <laughs> You know, fuck me up, fam. Make me a cyborg. Let's go. Um, what about bodies that are just better? Better bodies. Just can like fix some cyborgs? of the better problems. Bodies. Can cyborgs yeah. take showers? Cyborgs can take showers. Cyborgs yeah. take showers. Do they the feel the sensation of the shower though? It depends on what upgrade package. <laughs> There's a specific skin sensation upgrade. Oh, a hundred. <laughs> that part of the new modern cyberpunk. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um. We should talk about video games. That's what people are here for, and not us taking showers. That's probably not the direction we should be going. I don't know. There's probably a small subset of the audience. Come on, it's the internet. I'm aware. Uh, You know, it's it's been a it's been a holiday weekend for us here in the states, and so we're all I think a little punchy. We're all just waking up. We're all just getting our getting our faces back on. Uh, But we can talk about a video game, right? Video games are coming out. Patrick Leffick, talk to me. Okay, do you not want to (laughs) go? Do you not want to talk to me about Darksiders 3? It's. Mm. Would you like to play a Darksiders fan game? 
Yo, that's rude. That's that is. I was trying. So oh. I played the first four or five hours of Dark Siders three. Um, I truly adored the first game. I thought it was. Uh, I think when it was characterized as oh, it's a violent Zelda game, which is true, mm-hmm. but it wasn't Edge Lord. <laughs> it was. I mean, it was, but in like a very mm. genuine, fun way. Um, it felt like a '90s comic in a big way to me, and it was very like, much celebrating all that that was, as opposed to, mm-hmm. I don't know, there was just something. It was, it, it was a very charming, authentic game that I was also very well designed. It had like big, bright colors, um, mm-hmm. uh, very super interesting environments, great puzzles, great uh, world design. It was at a time when Zelda was not that interesting. Like it came at the Skyward Sword era, which there are parts mm-hmm. of Skyward Sword that I liked quite a bit, but Skyward Sword is like three games worth of content but there's like one good game in there but you have to sort right. through the other two games uh uh to get there and so darksiders came around that same time and was a game that like just like hey like what if it felt like zelda fans making a good zelda game when nintendo wasn't making the zelda games that people wanted or wasn't going in like a transcendently different direction like breath of the wild just like hey we're going to take what you like but we're going to do it in a different context and it's still going to be really interesting and still feel like zelda um and so Darksiders comes into that place and is a genuinely great game. Uh, uh, ends on just, like, one of the greatest video game endings of all time, I think, in which, like, you play as a War, the, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and then the, the ending of the game is, like, all the other horsemen coming in, and, like, it's supposed to be, like, a big bang, like, this is going to be the sequel, and you're all going to be the four of them, and it's going to be, it's gonna be, it was just a really badass way to, like, you had an arc, but also, like, a really, it was a good cliffhanger. It was a good way to, like, set up a sequel that didn't feel like, it was uh, cheating you out of a story. It was more just like you were excited to see what happened next. Um, right. I didn't care for the sequel, which in which you played Death. It was more of a. Uh, it was still kind of a Zelda-ish uh, uh, action adventure game. It was very loot focused. I don't think the loot stuff worked at all. It was. It was not interesting to me. I thought the level design was less interesting. It was just. It didn't take place at the spot you thought you wanted. Like, you think, oh, the end right, of the game. Right, it was a prequel. It, yeah, it's it a was prequel. sort of like, yeah. while War was doing blank, yeah. Death was doing this other thing, Correct. right? Um, which just felt or like a very, like misguide, very misguided <laughs> take on, like, loop, where yeah. people wanted that franchise to go uh, next. Um, and so, but a lot of people did dig. It's not a bad game. It was just not really what I wanted, and a bunch of the things didn't, didn't really work for me. And there's been a long gap in between two and three. The core team that worked on the first two... Um, what was that RPG they put out uh, last year? The oh, battle. Did they do that? It was on Switch. Uh, Joe Madarero. I don't know how to pronounce. Oh, his name. oh, that was them. Um, oh boy, battle something, Ooh, right? Oh my God, THQ was it Nordic? battle chasers? No. Battle chasers. Battle chasers. Battle chasers. Yes. battle chasers. I didn't realize that was that team. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah. It's uh, not the you know. Well, the, the team kind of split off in a couple different directions. Um, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But um, the, the comic artist that worked on Darksiders, again, I'm mispronouncing his last name, Joe Joe M. We'll call him Joe M. So I can stop butchering it. Yeah. Um, often called Joe Mad. Yeah, sure. That that works too. Yeah. Um, and uh, Battle Chasers, I guess, was you know one of the uh, an old comic he had worked on. They reworked into. Um, there's like a charming JRPG type thing. I didn't finish it, but I enjoyed like the 10 hours I played and it's something mm-hmm. I keep thinking like I should go back and finish that. Um, and then a, from what I understand, a different set of team members, I don't know the exact lineage, you know, are, we're a new team working on this Darksiders 3. Um, this one involves, uh, Fury. Um, it also seems to be concurrent with the first game, like when the first invasion of Earth happens between... Heaven and hell, um, but yeah. So to circle back around to my original point, like it's it's very bland. It's pretty boring. It feels 
like a B game in the bad way. Like when, mm. oh boy, like the, I was trying to come up with comparisons where I was like, remember there were like a lot of like character action or character platformer games like tie like 3D ones like tie the Tasmanian Devil. Do you like remember that like tie? Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of games like that this feels like a game of that era it feels like very ps2-ish um okay and on top of that in terms of being like a darksiders fan i was laying i was like trying to find a metaphor to like or a way to like describe how i felt about it and the notion of it being a darksiders fan game in which if i saw a youtube video where it's like yo a team loved darksiders and they're making their own darksiders game you'd look at this and go damn like this is really impressive for a bunch of folks just like scrapping right. it together but for like the, which might be which is what it is which, to yeah, some degree like right? it's possible that it, <laughs> in some ways that is true because who knows what the budget the t like yeah well if i'm judging it without any reporting but judging it purely aesthetically and technically because mm-hmm. this game is a te- technical mess like you are clipping oh. through objects all the time as you just rotate the camera your geometry is kind of popping in and out in like really uh, uh, weird ways. It feels very budgety, in which I, although I can't back that up with like actually knowing how it was built, what the resources they were given, it does feel like a game in which we're gonna mi- try and. So when we've talked about like B B games in the past, part of what makes them charming is often that they have ambitions that stretch beyond their budget. This doesn't feel like a game that has ambitions beyond its budget. It just doesn't feel like it has many ambitions and it didn't have a budget. <laughs> Like it's making one of these, and we know what one of these is. Yeah, it's so like it, one it, of it, these, and then like a a not like it's like oh, it's like Devil May Cry ish. It's sort of Zelda ish, but it's like not a good version of any of those. And it's not like playing with some like unique systems or ideas that it's like okay, even though this isn't really working, this isn't really working. It doesn't have the money to pull this part off. The rest of it is like oh, this is interesting to make me keep going. Like there's none of that so far. Like it's just a, mm. a me- it's a mediocre brawler. The world is oh, just buddy. like you're on Earth, but and you land in a city, but there's no character to it at all. Like there's signs that say like when you go on a subway, it's like stadium, uh, uh, state house, but there's no like label of like am I in New York? Am I in Chicago? Right. Am I in DC? Like uh, this is supposed to. T- you're in city. It, you're in Earth, Earth city. city. Earth city. Earth city. Yeah. And uh, you know, in, in addition to that, like it, exactly. it, they try to set it during an interesting time point where it's like. This is right after the invasion happens, so like society is supposed to be crumbling around you, and so there could be an interesting sort of setup where it's like, oh right, like where the humans have no role in this whatsoever in the past because they're kind of dealing with, you know, kind of like DC character demigod like sort of characters that are coming down and just rumbling yeah. around. Um, maybe the humans could play some role, and instead, all that the humans have is that like there's a place for them to go, and you get a little doodad that you can like zap on a human that you find behind a hidden wall and then they're safe i guess human collectibles yeah but it doesn't appear to like help you and like it doesn't seem like i'm getting upgrades so i'm not sure why i'm helping the humans (laughs) you're helping people just because it's good to help people the character you're playing fury uh the one uh, woman of the uh, four horsemen like she's begrudgingly helping the humans she does not like the humans does not want to help them so it's really only the player role-playing a version of fury that begrudgingly wants to help the humans and she's not like getting stat upgrades for her character uh, in the process. It's I I'm going also, to continue mm-hmm. playing this, but I I'm profoundly disappointed. Both uh, I said primarily as a Darksiders fan, where I've waited a long time for a third entry, and then even secondarily, where it's like maybe you like Zelda-ish games, or maybe you just like there aren't that many games like this, which are these B-level games that are sometimes interesting for X, Y, or Z reason. This game, mm-hmm. at least four hours in, 
has none of those qualities and it's just a bummer it is it is you know it's one of those things where every time i saw this game in previews whether it was at at a pax or you know ign did a big reveal feature for it i was very much like yeah you know sucking sucking breath in through my teeth and being like oh like oh please like turn the corner every game every game looks rough in development And it, it always comes together in those last steps. It's a thing you learn. It's a thing you know from talking to developers. And, like, maybe it's just not showing well. And it it's a bummer to hear. It's uh, not um, – this is not always true, but it's not usually a good sign. So, like, I I don't know how codes went out to different outlets, but, like, just, like, to, like, reveal the – you know, behind the curtain a little bit um, that I got code for this on last Wednesday, and this game comes out tomorrow. Um, so – that's like a really quick right. turnaround for what is a like THQ Nordic's premier release, you know, like since they've been a company, probably like this is like the, they've done lots of smaller things, but like this is like the biggest thing that they've done. Is it? What would be bigger than I this? Yes. Yeah. <sighs> this is kind of a name, right? It is a name. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I guess so. And so it's not, well, it's, not are they, it's not uncommon to get code very quickly before release for lots of bigger games, especially because games come in so hot. Um, but yeah. this very much struck me as you didn't see a lot of publicity for this game. It wasn't showing yeah. well. It felt like it was kind of getting buried. Like they that that maybe they realized like eh, like we don't want this to necessarily be like our foot forward as like this is THQ Nordic and um, that gave me some just some red flags personally, like from just having done this for a long time. And then by the time when I started playing it, I was like, Oh, I think they saw what I saw. Yeah. Yeah. What, Danielle, what you, you had something earlier. Yeah. Oh, just, just out of curiosity. Let me ask you as like a pretty big Zelda fan who even likes the crappier Zeldas, just cause that progression is fun. Just sure. that sort of like going through a dungeon is fun. Going through an overworld is fun. You know, that whole kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Is it scratching the itch at all? Is it competent in some ways? Because I know, you know, certainly there is there is a case to be made for the, like, comfort food, you know, a game that may not be super ambitious, but it, yeah. it covers the bases of a genre 100%. that you don't see as often. Is it scratching that at all? or it's, It scratches it in that, like, it knows that you have an itch, but, like, <laughs> like maybe when it got the clippers out, like, it just went a little too far. And actually, like, it went the kind of far where, like, you you now have to spend two days waiting for your nail to grow back enough so that, like, you don't have that sore spot. You know, you've done that before, right, where you just clip, like, yeah. a little too close. A little too much, and it's like, ow. Yeah, yeah and every time you kind of, like, press it again, you're like, mm, like, yeah, like, I wish I could scratch myself, but I can't. I don't have a nail. That's what if you, yeah, this game wants to scratch oh, your Zelda ish, but it don't got no nail. I hate this. Gotcha. This is a torturous, this is a torturous uh, scenario here. I mean, Anytime, like, oh, yeah, you have an itch, you can't scratch it. Ugh. I mean, so, like, just even, like, the way it sets up its world in the most basic ways, uh, you know, where, like, it's very common in a Zelda game where, like, you'll enter an area, and then uh, you'll see, like, something you can't, like, hello, Norm. That's my mom's dog. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm podcasting in an unideal environment, so you might hear some, some lots dog of dogs, noises. lots of dogs on the on the on the bat in the background. Um, it's all good, um, and, and like that's supposed to like kind of like pique your curiosity, right? Where it's like, oh, like I wonder how I get over there. Like I, I wonder how I access that thing. And this game is just so like you'll. I turned a corner and there was just like a tornado in the air, but like no, the game doesn't like acknowledge it. It's not like the character goes like. Hmm, interesting. Or uh, I guess um, 
it's just there and you can't do anything. You just can't reach it. And you just like, there's no acknowledgement. Or like, um, right. even one of the barriers to like get into one of uh, an area that's crossed off, it's just spider webs. Like, I'm a demigod. I'm like some creature of the universe. And it's just like, yeah. it's not even stone. It's just like, I can see it wafting in the wind and it's like <laughs> i my character's main weapon is a whip like just lady take out your whip just whip and that, that shit stuff. Whip it. yeah and and i realized that stuff is always completely arbitrary that is part of the the gambit like that's just accepting the sort of the the norm of the that type of game but it just doesn't even do stuff like that well um and so just sort of top to bottom it just feels it's just boring and like i'll, I'll probably play more because i i'm i'm now curious to see the depths of its averageness or sub-averageness because I just kind of like want yeah. to see where that go, like where that goes from here. Like, what if maybe this is only like a seven-hour game? Like, I don't know. Like, you know, I just I now I want to know in totality like what this thing is to know how to better think about it. But if you are a Darksiders fan, if you are a Zelda fan, um, who's like, oh, there's enough. We have enough distance from Breath of the Wild where we're in that in-between space where. Like they're making another Zelda, but that game's probably two, probably three years away. Two years right? out, yeah. Um, Don't I? It's killing me. And oh. and, and you know, <laughs> it's fine. And like they've done enough it's DLC fine. where it's like they're probably not going to do another DLC. Um, yeah, so you're looking no, for like yes, you know, I was yeah. lucky this year. It's like Astrobot um, for for PlayStation VR seemed to scratch like my I need I want another Mario. Nintendo Mario game like it, and that yeah. successfully did it right. Like it was doing different things, but. 100%. It's like, if you want a new Mario game, Astrobot is the closest thing, and it's a tremendous game. Darksiders, if you want a new Zelda game, like, it's... I, I'm hard-pressed to imagine it's going to turn some magical corner a couple more hours in. Um, and if, But if it does, you let us know, because that would be an achievement. It would, and I'm going to play more. <laughs> I'm going to finish it, uh, because I'm I'm just curious in a morbid sort of way to see where mm-hmm. it ends up. Um, but if you're a Darksiders fan, like, I don't know if I'd be running out to... Like, I don't want to... I don't just like to get into the should you pay a full price game? But like, yo, like this game's not right. going to be full price in a couple of weeks, probably. Um, so, so I do want to give a little context on the THQ Nordic thing because I've, I've dug into oh, it. Are you looking at here. the Wikipedia page? Computer. Not just that, but like their page and a bunch of other stuff. I'd say that you're right that this is their first like big name game right. in terms of like they have a name. Um, I think Wreckfest ended up being sort of a surprise for some people on PC, which was which was uh, from, uh, I don't remember what the set of, of devs was, but uh, previous, like, I don't think it was Burnout devs, but something in that similar vein. Destruction you know Derby? What I mean? yeah. Would that be a one? Maybe Destruction, it could have been Destruction Derby devs. Um, uh, they, they brought, they did the publishing for Sunset Overdrive on PC, but that's not the same thing. And then it is, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of like Desperados and Hunter Call of the Wild and Titan Quests. I don't know if they published, maybe that was a specific thing or lots of like, you know, Elix and, uh, you know, Spellforce 3 and lots of European and Eastern European specifically, um, RPGs and stuff like that. But I will say that they we, the thing to remember is that the, one of the things THQ did over the last few years is start buying up other things. THQ, sorry, THQ Nordic. <laughs> I just said THQ like they were old school THQ. <laughs> but so for instance, the thing to remember is that like they brought up they bought all the Coke Media stuff, including Deep Silver stuff. Yep. And so like Metro is going to ship without. It's not going to say. It might not say THQ Nordic on it. Though at this point, they might just slap that on there. It might say it's a Deep Silver game, but that that is also owned by THQ Nordic, which makes it a little more complex. Um, or like they shipped 
Deep Silver ship Kingdom Come Deliverance this year, which was a huge success, an outsized success. Uh, we talked about this on a past episode. None of us played it. Um, but the but did they fund it or but, they just distribute it? I they own the publisher, oh. so the publisher was Deep Silver. Though I don't know what the specific deal was in that case. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe that is just a distribution deal. I'm not sure. Um, but coming up soon, 2019, Deep Silver Shenmue Three. So that's their next big, big chance. Love Metro, Deep Silver well, Metro just, this but, year. But and at that, that point, I doubt that they're funding it. They're just taking a cut off the top, and then like just like and then they're doing, taking advantage of like Taste yeah. Nordic having a distribution network. They exactly. like increasingly. Hmm. I'm trying to find like an analogy for this company. Like, is is THU Nordic like the Blumhouse of like they're going <laughs> yes. like put yeah. out like they're Maybe. not going to put a lot of budget behind their projects, but it's like a high risk, high reward situation. And then occasionally yeah, you get one then, that has like more of a budget, like a Get Out or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> In this case, though, it was Darksiders Three, which <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. Uh, so it goes. Yeah. Well, um, you know, good luck to, to to them. I hope that that game turns a corner for you at some point, Patrick. Um. Danielle, can you lighten my mood? Can yes. you bring me anything that makes makes me happy after Patrick's Darksiders disappointment? <laughs> I have a delightful game to bring to the table. Let's say, yeah, it's after Thanksgiving. Everybody's ha- already sick of leftovers. Yeah, maybe you want something a little bit light, a little bit fresh, like a, like a fruit salad. You can get like sick of leftovers? I'm out of leftovers at this point. Well, being, out, being out of dinner. them and being sick of them are two different things, Danielle Rian. That's, tr- I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. It's true. <laughs> But let me let me let me let you feast upon this delightful treat called The Haunted Island, a frog detective game. That's a great title, first yeah. and foremost. The Haunted Island, a frog detective game. Yes. Perfect. This is from Grace Perfect. Bruxner, who has made uh many like very small games on itch.io, but like when I say small games on itch.io, that can mean a million things. Yeah, uh, what's that mean? It can mean literally somebody's very first you know project they've ever done in twine and they don't really know the tools yet or their very first you know sort of unity project i'm fucking really right here why are you dragging me like this? <laughs> <laughs> you know look i've done those too i have like five games on my itch oh yeah i've done those them. too austin it's okay austin it's okay, okay. it's all right Thank you. Thank and that's you. good and i'm glad it exists frankly i'm very glad that it exists but it all it can also mean like a really you know maybe a small featured but really really well done richly evocative type of game mm-hmm. so this is much more uh, of, of that type. Very, very evocative. Very, very fun. Very, very cute. It is uh, a short game. It probably took me 45 minutes uh, to get through, but it felt like no one second of that 45 minutes was time misspent or time wasted. So you play as a delightful frog detective who gets a call from uh, their boss. I don't know what the is. Is this an anthropomorphized frog? Yes, it's an anthropomorph. It's all anthropomorphized animals. It actually okay, looks Okay, what's that mean, little- though? Does that mean like a person with frog ears? Does that mean like a frog is like on the scale? Yeah. We've done this before. Yes. On the scale from Lion King, where it's just animals what talk, to uh, like anime cat girls, where it's a human who has cat ears. Right. And somewhere in the middle is like Disney's robin hood where it's like animal people but they wear clothes and they yeah. stand up on two legs where does this middle fall? right in that middle, middle right frog okay, detective wrong. wears Perfect. clothes but is a frog and where it stands on two legs what type of clothes are we talking about here i gotta picture this frog Not, detective like, in my mind good question hey actually i've got a gif up right here taking okay. a look uh he Thank wears you. khaki pants or they wear khaki pants and sort Perfect. of like a brown sweater that they call a jumper in the traditional australian style oh okay yeah it's an Australian. I believe Australian Grace Bruxner is Australian. So gotcha. Yeah, 
you'll hear okay, things like so jumper I have it in my head. for sweater. Thank you nice. for this detail. Yes. You, you may continue now. Yeah, all right, thank you. Now that we've established uh, the stakes of this game. <laughs> thank it's you. high stakes. So the frog detective gets a call from their boss who says, hey, we've got a client and uh, I had decided to call my number one detective and they weren't available. So you want the job? And it's like, it's like that. It's very cute. Very, very like okay. light Muppet style kind of humor. Very, very sort yeah. of like cute and light and sweet. Uh, and everything is very funny and very slapstick. And there's a ghost on this island. So you have to go and investigate the ghost on this island. And there are ghost scientists, one of whom is a monkey, one is a lobster, one is a crocodile. Uh, yeah, there's all kinds of like little animals kind of hanging out. Very simple, sort of low poly 3D art. But the animation is amazing, actually. Like really, really nice sort of fluid animation. Uh, everything is done in a very simple style, but... Very effective, I thought. It's like flat shading polygons, yeah. right? So like yeah, PS flat shaded, but... You know what it reminds me of is something like... It doesn't actually remind me of this because this doesn't do this, but for whatever reason, it's evocative of like Parappa the Rapper to me, sure. but, but actually 3D characters, not not 2D cutout characters. Right, it's just very mm. larger-than-life cartoonish, but like well done. I know that's that mm-hmm. feels like a weird distinction, but it doesn't just feel like somebody threw a bunch of slabs of polygons together and just said, that's a frog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It oh, like, like, actually like a game Austin nicely. Not like a game I would make. Look, yeah. hey, your no, first listen, game, fine. not always the biggest success, that's all. It's not. It's all it's right. It's not. It's fair. You're learning. I have game design students, you know? It's mm-hmm. yeah. You I like understand. this koala that I'm looking at here. Yeah, there's a good they koala. They all have good clothes. They all have good clothes. So here's the other thing I have to tell you the truth is you were like, there's a ghost on the side, and I genuinely gasped. I was like, and I remember the name of this game is The Haunted Island. <laughs> so I don't know why the fuck that was a surprise. And you know, it was a surprise to Martin, who's the king of the island, who hasn't slept oh, in shit. two weeks because he's so scared of the ghost. So are you, is it like an adventure game effectively? It's a very sort of light adventure game where you're going around, you're having conversations and you're sort of getting items from various characters Mm. and kind of Mm -hmm. trading items till you get the, you know, the correct items to move the plot along, basically. It's almost like in Donkey Kong Country 3, the bears trading Uh on the islands, Uh a little bit like that. Hmm? Uh, Only this is the whole point of the game. This is all you're doing Mm -hmm. is kind of walking around, having these conversations trading items for other items and it's very very cute and funny and it's like light and funny it's not like how hilarious it's just every little bit of dialogue is like dry and very sweet and very very full of character right Uh, so it's like a pleasure and a delight to play this game it really does feel like a nice little palate cleanser feels like like a a lack of cynicism like because like when we talk about like sort of like Mm. writing like this i think like you know like night in the woods and stuff like that where like there's like a lot of cynicism and sarcasm in night in the woods i love the the writing in that but it's like a very distinctive style of of writing it sounds like this is a little more like upbeat and fun and uh, uh lively it's a little more Donut County than Night in the Woods. Um, gotcha. Not that but Donut not... County didn't have a little bit of cynicism, but like just right. kind of the way it's it's like, oh, we're just all anthropomorphic animals and we're just hanging out and figuring our lives out. Like it's it's kind of, yeah, kind of uh, unironic in a lot of ways, just kind of sweet and funny. But it's not as like gag driven as um, jazz punk or something. It's not like yeah, rapid fire. Than that. Okay, I would call it cool. certainly lighter than that. Um, I Grace Grace Bruxner did a game I really liked called Alien Casino. Yes. That's like pay what you want. Um, that is the thing it says it is. It's a casino filled with aliens playing cards and you know in hot tubs and stuff. Um, and that is that is if if you enjoy the this frog detective game, 
I keep wanting to say The Great Frog Detective, but that's <laughs> that's a movie that doesn't exist. It's the sequel to The Great Mouse Detective. Well, this um. one might have a sequel, too. <laughs> I really like that's, The Great Mouse Detective. The thing that's cute about this is that it, it also kind of seems like uh, oh, she wants right. to make this a series. Right. Like, this is like a cute short game, but it does feel like a complete chapter, and it is sort of like, you know, the chapter, the haunted island. Uh, and it's kind of like the frog detective will continue in you know, X, Y, and Z, right, kind of thing, right, which right, is right. very cool. cute. I would love to see this as like, oh, you know, a new chapter in this comes out every so often as a as like a really just sweet, nice little game that makes you, I don't know, there are times where I feel like a game like this comes out and it makes you like games again. You know, sometimes yeah, it can be very, <laughs> yeah, games can be a lot. And so sometimes games. it's nice to have something that is like, hey, you know what? Like a couple of people made this and they clearly put a lot of sort of, time and passion and, and happiness mm-hmm. they poured some happiness into this little fruit salad yeah that i am now you know belaboring the metaphor a little bit but <laughs> i get you um and that is on uh, itch.io itch.io and steam and for steam. like yeah it's four like a bucks, five bucks nice. um awesome yeah, i will have to check that out because it seems like it's up my alley i've been i you know a thing that happens to me basically every year is we get towards the end of the year discussions and, and you know the goaties and and it's like all right there's a lot of small stuff from small developers that i can blow through in, in a few in an hour or two and one or two of those always takes me takes my breath away and it's like wow that was great so i'm compiling my list for for whatever yeah you should because that, that, my like, thing is always just like at the end of the year is like to put out tweets like yo what's the small like free like indie <laughs> game that i have not played that you say someone needs to play and then make a list of like five of those and then spend an afternoon just like trying to blow through as many of those as possible yeah perfect all right let's take a quick break and come back and talk about even more video games brb And we are back. Patrick, you've had this one on your list now for a couple of weeks. Uh, I guess maybe a couple of weeks. Maybe just last, since last week. We've had a couple of busy episodes in a row. Uh, hmm. We looked up how to pronounce it. Okay. Okay. Dera- okay. 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 So we originally were pronouncing it as Deracine or Deracine. <laughs> wrong. But we were wrong. And then, we, and then right when we recorded, I said, you know, I bet we could look this up. <laughs> Try it. Is it, is it Deracine? Yeah, so I've I've written this out phonetically in my notebook as uh, day, ra, as in rad, <laughs> so we can mm-hmm, re- mm-hmm, differentiate mm-hmm. between ra and ra. Wow. Not so, de rasine, de yes. rasine, de rasine, de rasine, which is yeah, this uh, shortish like uh, four hour uh, kind of depending on how uh, much time you spend poking around. Uh, a VR game from uh, from software, um, uh, specifically, you know, creative led by uh, Hidetaka Miyazaki, the mm-hmm. uh, creative lead on Dark Souls, Bloodborne, um, and the upcoming Sekiro? Sekiro? Sekiro. 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 Um, which, yo, that game's Ninja, not that Ninja far Ninja Souls. Off. 
that game is soon. Yeah. Lots of games are soon. Mm -hmm. Lots of Anthem is soon. (laughs) There's going to be a beta for Anthem soon, I bet. Um, I bet. And yeah, and so I, uh, I've i been, as, as someone that uh, has been like a big VR advocate in the past, but that kind of got away with it, uh, away from it for about, I don't know, a year or so. Like I played RE7 and I, you know, will argue to this day uh, that RE7 is transcendently different in VR. It is a far more intense, scary uh, experience, uh, one that is probably too much for a lot of people, arguably, mm-hmm. um, but that uh, it's not just that you can look around. I think it fundamentally changes the immersion of the experience in sort of the horror in a way that uh like i remain sort of like a tentpole reason like it i would have paid and i did pay lots of money for vr devices in which like that was worth it alone even if i never had another experience in vr especially given that i you know have sort of uh, such an interest in horror and stuff like that like that game was like made for me and it was beautiful and horrifying in vr um I kind of got away from it because just the cables, honestly, it's just like it was just too much effort. Like, had my kid, and it's just like when I want to sit down, I got 45 minutes, and it's like, where did I? Oh, I borrowed that USB cable to charge that other thing. Okay, now I got to find another one. Where does that go in the PS4? Like, where did the heads? It was just, I, I just got away from it. And uh, at E3 last year, I played a game called uh, Moss, and it was so charming and like really took my breath away. And then that game came out earlier this year. It was on PSVR, and then it was on a bunch of other... It's on everything else now. It's a delightful little uh, adventure uh, game, light uh, sort of puzzle element. Um, and there was Astrobot, uh, which is, like, another game that uh, is, like, creeping around in my head. Is like, I could easily make that my favorite game of the year. I think it is, like, that good. That good. And, 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 and also, it's, and I want to, like, punch it up in a way that I want... Like, hey... If I said it's that good, then like I want, I just, I, so many people are going to miss out on a game that I think they would fall in love with, that it, it right. breaks my heart. Um, and so I've been trying to like just, I've actually finally, so what I did was I moved my VR setup from, so I have a projector in, in my main room, and projectors just make all sorts of electronics really complicated because things have to be right. on opposite sides of the room. I'm in the, currently in the process of like swapping out this old stereo system with like five speakers that has wires everywhere for like a sound bar thing I bought from Black Friday, but it's, I now I need like 50 foot optical cables. Right. It's a whole thing. So the VR stuff was even worse because you have this camera that I had to position in weird spots. And I finally just realized part of the reason I wasn't playing more of these games was the pure setup process. And so what I need to do is just spend an hour and figure out a better setup for this. So I moved it into my actual office. Like I lined up all the cables really nicely and like taped them down and like put, positioned them in a way that it was like very easy to move the PS4 from mm-hmm. my projector back into my office. And I have a, a TV in my office. It's not very good, but I, you need a TV in order for the VR stuff to work. It has to output to HDMI something other than just the headset. So it's mostly just there for me to turn on and ignore, but it now means that I can just sort of sit down, slot the PS4 in, turn on the button and like everything is, is ready to go. Right, and so right. I'm trying to like spend more time with these games because I know I, I often find stuff that I like a lot. And uh, day, hmm, day, red, day red scene, uh, day rad scene, uh, day red scene. Uh, it's so that the setup is you are um, in sort of like a, like a boarding school or like some sort of like school uh, okay. environment uh, with a bunch of kids and they – summon uh, a fairy and you play this fairy who has the ability to uh, both uh, jump through different time periods and also you have the ability to like take and give 
life. So like you can like that's touch a, a f- big ability to have. It is. Pretty it's huge. a big responsibility. Um, where like you can like one of the early things is like you touch a flower and then that like charges up this life ring, which then you can use to uh like transfer that energy to another flower or something like that. Now this are is you not something you have. Killing the flower? Or are you taking the life from the flower? Mm-hmm. Or are you okay? Well, so the way gotcha. it works, the way the without getting into too much of the story stuff, like the way the mechanically <laughs> the underlying magic of the fairy is that uh, it is taking your time, and so like uh-huh. the time that is left for uh, any sort of living object is something that can be siphoned away and also given. Oh, that's interesting. And okay. so the nature of the fairies, um, they are often seen as sort of like magical trickster creatures in this world. Um, uh, they are often or mostly evil. Um, uh-huh. and in this case, you are playing a good fairy that is like kind of playing tricks on the kids. Like you, you're going around and like taking keys out of their uh, back pockets and using that to like advance the story. Um, and, uh, the setup for the game. Okay. I just spent all this time saying like, Oh, I'm going to find an easier VR setup. So this fucking game uses, <laughs> not only does it require that you have, uh, the, the, the VR headset, which is its own sort of setup nightmare. But then you also need two PlayStation Move controllers because it oh wants <laughs> it wants you to, uh, you know, each hand is one of the Move controllers. Um, and there are games that justify the use of, like, having your hands as, like, separate interactable objects in an environment. This game does not. Like, literally all you're doing is, like, one hand picks something up and then, like, some you can come over and, like, take something out of it. Like there would have been a way for them to accomplish the interactions that they're going for. And then also made this game much more widely accessible because then there, there are lots of people that probably own a PSVR headset and just use a dual shock because 99% right, of VR right, games that's... just use a dual shock just fine. Especially on PSVR, especially, especially on PSVR. Is, and like they're, it is they're almost, better for it, honestly. Yes. Um, but this game does not have any just dual shock use. You have to have both these move controllers. Uh, I fortunately had some laying oh. around from like, a long time ago when I was like hoarding them to play uh, Johann Sebastian Joust yes. uh, with friends. Um, so I have like just four of them that Truly I like bought. Truly a different time. I, well, I, there was a time Truly. when like when Sony gave up on the move controller mm-hmm. prior to the VR headset, like they just went on sale at like Amazon and GameStop and you could buy them for like $15. Right, um, right, so right. I just like hoarded them uh, one year. And so it's, it's, it's frustrating because it doesn't really take advantage of this technology that it's requiring you to do. And also I had just even the hardest time getting it to stay in the camera to the point where it never became quite clear. Like is my setup incorrect or am I interacting with the game wrong? Like I I was getting torn out of the experience because I couldn't tell like where my setup problems began or my interactive, like, or I was just using the tools in front of me uh, improperly. Um, And it's, I guess the way I would say it's interesting is, purely to see like a more traditional narrative from from software like so much of the storytelling in the souls games is it's not necessarily abstract like there are like a plot lines and b plot lines yep. and c plot yep. lines but it requires so much work on the part of the player it's not presented in a traditional like here's the story being told in front of you where you're going <laughs> to follow a through line from a to z um yeah. and well certainly there are things you can piece together that's happening in this game, it is much more a traditional narrative where you are interacting with characters who, like, 
right move with like real animations and like their facial like it like they're it's just a lot more traditional no one just like leans against a pillar and does a creepy laugh after there is saying there something is enigmatic. a creepy laugh in this game though hell it yeah. feels absolutely like they are just playing into the meme like it does Good. that like Good. it feels like they realize the creepy laugh is just a part of their games and there has to be a creepy laugh in every game and there's at least one creepy laugh there are plenty of laughs like the, the children laugh normally like they don't like laugh uh in, in a very odd way but there is a character in a moment where like it happens and you're just like okay from like you know like someone showed you a video compilation and you're like all oh, right we needed to get one of those in there um it's so perfect I, it's it's hard for me to say if it's like good or even it's it's interesting i don't know that i like go as far as to say like i had a great time with it but i i found it like if you are a fan of from software's products like they're they're, 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 the stuff that they make like and you have the means to play this like i don't know if i'd go out of my way like i wouldn't buy a psvr for this i wouldn't buy move controllers for this like if you have the means to play it if you or you have stuff you can borrow from folks like and you love uh you know miyazaki and you like want to see him try a different type of storytelling like this is it's interesting there are like worse ways to spend a couple of hours but there are also better ways to spend a couple of hours. And I mostly started justifying my time with it because I've now become convinced that it's a Bloodborne prequel. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> for reasons I don't want to get into because I don't want to spoil okay. it. Um, there are, like, very – there are very obvious Easter eggs in a way that uh, – and I still may write a story about this. Um, because uh, From Software has a history, if you play their games, of putting in – slight nods to their other games specifically in the souls line where like demon souls and dark souls feel like a uh, like dark dark souls is a sequel to demon souls and it Mm -hmm. is mechanically but it is not in terms of like the world and narrative like those are separate universes but there are nods in dark souls that give you you a way of saying like well you can see how you could like in a Zelda-ish timeline fashion. It's, yes, yes. Yeah. It's as if there are. It's as if you're building a puzzle and you're missing. You're missing twelve pieces that it's like you have two puzzle boxes, and it's as if they make one big mural, and you could connect them if only you had the extra thirty pieces you need. But also, you have an extra fifteen pieces on each puzzle that do not connect in any <laughs> yes. way that prevent you from doing. It. So not only are you missing pieces, there are also blockers that make it go like, no, it couldn't be that. And yet, like, the, the series has the time travel, the and, yes. like, there's, there's yes. look, anything can be canon if you if you want to retcon it. And so, like, they're, so, so part of the fun is, like, if you want to go dig in, like, I'm sure there are long YouTube videos and Wikipedia pages that, like, explain, like, what would there be connections between uh, demons, dark, and, and Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. But those are all, like, pretty, you have to do some work to see, like, where the connections are. Whereas, like, these, like, the Easter eggs in here are, like, super explicit, like, you're picking Ooh. up like a doll that looks like a doll from Bloodborne. Like there are, and and there are, uh, uh, you know, uh, references to a uh, a tale that is not yet like fully told and stuff like that, which like mm. I'm taking to interpret so I can be disappointed that it's yes. a Bloodborne 2 reference. But you don't be disappointed. Here's, I mean, one, we're going to get Bloodborne 2 at some point. Probably. It's going to happen. It's gonna, I it might feel like be... that game is probably a PS5 like launch I think it's a game. launch PS5 yeah. game. Yeah, it's a 2020. We'll get that in 2020. Yeah. Put put fucking money on it. Here we go. If I can gamble, yeah. Put 20 bucks on it. I started gambling bucks, in sports. Yeah. Can I start gambling? Bovada, like let me gamble on like video no. game release time frames. I think we're not allowed to do that. I think that's what got <laughs> Pete Rose in trouble. I think we're not it's our we can't do it patrick we're not allowed <laughs> that's um, a no <laughs> it's it's not insider trading but it's something um but yeah like i i the thing for me is like i 
I think I've said this before, but I've spent a lot of time in my life rolling my eyes when people like are desperate for two things that are not connected to become connected where it's like, just let them live on their own. It's okay. Like you don't have to solve for X when it comes to media you love. Right. Like, it, it sometimes a cameo is a cameo or an Easter egg is an Easter egg. Yeah. And, and sometimes there are connections um, and you, we, we, there is, there is joy in letting those, you know, flourish and, and build and et cetera. But as a, as someone who tells stories on the internet often, um, it, it can be frustrating to be like, Oh, I see how these two th- for fans. Like, I see how these two things are connected exactly right. Where it's like, Oh no, I'm not really like, yes, there is, there is, as a creator, I have certain ideas in my head there's that thematic are similar. There's thematic and... Right, because I'm the same person who's writing these stories right. or whatever, but they're not actually – you're not going to find causality or causal links. But with Bloodborne and Demon Souls and Dark Souls, I completely fall into the trap of not wanting the connection but enjoying the play, the sort of like narrative play in my own head of, of – Seeing how those things reoccur, seeing how weapons like the the uh, Moonlight Butterfly like recur through everything from Demon Souls through Armored Core into Bloodborne, right. like that game. That's some, and it's clearly just like an insider nod, right? Um, but like something like the the Storm King, whatever the Storm King Blade is that you use on that one great boss fight in um, Dark Souls Three, uh, right? Well, it, but at first it shows up in uh, Demon Souls. Oh, right, because you explicitly use it in Demon's You need Souls, it to fight it the, showed, the Storm yeah. King. The yes. Storm Ruler is the name of the sword. Yes. that like uh, That's one of the coolest huge... fucking fights in that Talk, game. That whole fight. Demon's Souls, Sony, I'm begging Do you. Do the remake. Do, Do the remake. The remake. <laughs> I don't. I'm not this person. You know, I'm not this person. Do I'm begging you, please do the remake. That game would more, like more than anything in their catalog would would so benefit. Plus, that game is just so interesting in other ways. Like it's so fucking weird. And I know it's a lot of work because it was a PS3 game. I get it. We consider it. So I'll say right now, uh, briefly, really quick. Our next um, Waypoint 101 for the end of the year is Mark of the Ninja. We announced it with a post on the site we didn't talk about it on the podcast. So Mark of the Ninja, it's available everywhere. It's available on the Switch. It's available on PS4 and, and Xbox One. It's available on PC. It's available on Xbox 360 and PS3. It's one of the reasons we chose it, like, on top of other things around, like, we wanted to get away from first-person shooters or third-person. Mm-hmm. Like, a whole bunch of reasons went into it. You can read the post on the site for, for kind of what my thinking was behind it, what our thinking was behind it. But I will say that Demon Souls was one of the other things in contention for Waypoint 101. And it's like, well, like, I don't even know if I have a working PS3 anymore. Right. I'm not looking to set one up in my room. You don't want to go buy a 60 gig uh, PS3 backwards compatible. No, PS4 with a backwards compatibility. No, I don't want to do that. Like, there's, there's a lot of hurdles to go back and play that game. On top of the servers not being online or whatever, but like... What I know I would end up doing is just watching someone else play through that game, watching a video. And that's not what I want to do with Waypoint 101. I'd like to be able to actually play through it. Um, but man, I want to play through the Demon Souls one one more time in my yep. life. That's all. Just one just one more time. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> just one more soul. Uh, just one more soul. Just one yeah. more soul. Um, so, yeah, I love those little I love those little non-connections. Those little, like, I, it's They do it the right way where it's like yeah. they it's they're, they're clearly aware of what that fans have fun with that stuff, but they yeah, don't well, seem too precious about it. And also it doesn't seem like the fans get too precious about it either. No, it is, exactly. The, the community itself ha- is enjoying in the same way that the games and the systems and how they work are a puzzle box. Like it's fun to just imagine like in this, like there are, there are so many layers to the, the souls games embedded in everything about them. That is not a far fetch to imagine. Well, if we put in the work, if we put in the effort, if we found this one item, then we could find all those missing puzzle pieces. And because thematically 
and and sort of like both in like theme of story and mechanics and world, like it leads to a community that can have fun with trying to make those leaps of logic and those leaps of in those connections um, in a way that's. And I think it fun. makes sense. It, it makes sense that like in so many of their games, and they come at this in different angles. They come at this in. Uh, you know, in in Dark Souls with with history, they come at this in Demon Soul or in a uh, uh, Bloodborne with religion. Um, so many times they are talking about who controls historical narratives. He, they're talking about the ways in which memory are faulty, the ways in which uh, you know, kind of uh, cultural memory is faulty, and and ways in which uh, important stories are elided out of the telling of the way the past went. You know, Dark Souls 3 ends up literally taking you back in time to various things that have happened to see what happened there. And then, like, you also get the perspective of the various schools on as to what happened there. Or, you know, Bloodborne obviously is literally you excavating the history of this terrible city going deeper and deeper and deeper until you hit something like truth that is overwhelming and impossible to comprehend. And so, like, yeah, I love the idea that, like... It's part of the reason why I like playing around in that space is because it doesn't like I feel like I'm solving a puzzle box so much as I'm configuring the puzzle box in different shapes and being like that's an interesting shape for it to take. But what if it was this instead? Right. What if you know? And and that's that's shout outs to to from software. I'm super excited for Sekiro next couple, what's, couple what's, months. Okay, away. how's that going to connect? <laughs> we'll see. It might. And we'll the, see. The, and part of the reason that makes this so fun is because of the corporate roadblocks that like prevent actual explicit <laughs> connections. Right. So it's right. like, yeah. right. like Sony right. owns demon and bloodborne. Yes. Um, from owns dark souls in Japan, but Namco owns it in like, do they own League. it here. Or do they just publish it here? I don't remember how that breaks down, but either way it's like, it's not Sony. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. um, uh, and, and now I don't know how the IP ownership works with this new one, but it's published by act either way. Like it, the worlds are separated, not only in terms of like, timeline right. and place but also in terms of corporate <laughs> like corporate bullshit. interests yeah um, uh-huh, and so like yeah, that yeah. that you know if anything you know occam's razor is the reason for lack of a connection more to do with that than anything else possibly maybe um, probably but it's it's fun uh, either way and so uh and i, I guess just to, to put a fine point at like the uh, about the bloodborne 2 thing i don't i don't want a bloodborne 3 i just feel like there was so much set up in that game that they could do patrick you with. said you want a bloodborne 3 no i don't <laughs> just now i don't Oh, oh, you don't want a Bloodborne. I think Dark Souls 3 was too far. Like, I mean, Dark Souls 3 was fine. I just feel like for what, like, they had set up for, like, the combat. And maybe I ended up feeling like Sekiro is, like, Bloodborne 2 in a lot of ways. But I also just loved that world and the creature design that I just would love to see. uh, A little bit more. A little bit more of that. So, yeah, check that out if you're, you got to be a diehard fan. Everyone else, I would say, you know, maybe, maybe take a pass. Yeah, we still have a bunch of other stuff to get to. Really quickly, I just want to hit that I returned to BattleTech. Uh, I didn't get to get to play a lot of stuff over the weekend. Is the expansion but I some... out? So the expansion comes out tomorrow. I can't okay. talk about the expansion uh-huh. yet, and also I can't talk about the expansion yet because <laughs> it's like a post-game expansion oh. or a. Ah. So it ships with two things. It ships with a career mode where instead of doing the story stuff, you just run a mercenary company and like play the politics game. Sort of, you kind of like decide which factions decide with, and you're just dealing with. It's almost like um, a franchise mode in a, in a Madden. Oh, so or there's, you're not right? doing any of the battles. That's cool. You're doing the battles. Sorry, oh. you are doing the battles, but you're not doing the story battles. Gotcha. You're gotcha. just doing okay. the kind of like proc gen battles, right? And then just balancing the books and keeping your mercenaries happy and upgrading your ship. And you do all that stuff in the main story game anyway, but it's like if you just want to jump in with a new game and don't want to do any of the story missions and don't want – and also it's almost like a um, like a post-game save but from the beginning. Instead of like starting you – 
So I beat the game. So here's what I'll say. I beat Battletech last night. I really enjoyed it. And now I'm in a post-game. And there's stuff that's from the new expansion I can't talk about yet. But in general, it's like, okay, I'm in the post-game. I can keep doing missions. I can keep doing whatever. But I have all of these super strong mechs. Like, I'm just in god <laughs> like god tier at this point. And, you know, the game levels up with you sort of. Like, there's enough places I could go to go do challenging missions. Still, it's not over by but any means. But you've mostly got, like, ahead of the power curve. I'm like, uh, yeah, what I will say is is the me- the middle of that game for me was the best part where I'm, like, really taking damage in battles and, like, going back to my mech bay and being like, well, fuck, what the hell do I – that arm is gone. I can afford to get the arm <laughs> back but not put any weapons on it and then needing to decide, like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring back that arm and I'm just going to dump a ton of armor points onto it so it's almost like a shield for me. I'm just always going to position this unit such that that arm is just in the way of any incoming <laughs> missiles or whatever. And and by the end of the game, it's like I have all these super powerful assault class mechs that are just able to tear through shit. I was just really able to do just the storyline missions at the end and just, like, power through them, which were fun. I liked it. I think it ended really well. But one of the nice things about, or one of the things I'm excited about with the career mode, I actually have not dug into the career mode yet, is just like going back through that power curve from the from the jump. Um, and then and then the other stuff I haven't gotten to yet, but is there, and I'm excited to, to start trying it out. Is they added more story content into what hmm. the post game is basically, or or both in the career mode and in the main story mode. There are these things called flashpoints. The name of the expansion is BattleTech Flashpoint. In yeah. which it's like linked missions that that are progressively harder. Basically, it's like when you um, in the main game it happens a couple of times, but basically normally you play through a mission and then you get some downtime to repair. But the flashpoints, the pitch on them is like, no, you have to do this, and then there's a follow up mission, and there's a follow up mission, and so your stuff is just getting hammered on across this longer campaign of, like, three or four direct interlocked missions. And so I'm curious to, to check that stuff out. But basically, it was just nice to go back to that game. It was one of those things where I was like, I have, like, five more story missions left. That shouldn't take me that long. And then I watched as my hour count in that game jumped from, like, you know, 64 hours to 80 hours. Because, yeah. actually, that five missions took a lot of time. <laughs> um, so that, was, that is the thing that I played over the break, basically. Uh, that and some more, and some Mark of the Ninja, because we're doing the 101. Yeah. Um, anything else? Patrick, you were driving a lot. Did you, did you play any, or not driving a lot, but you were traveling a lot. Did you do any, like, mobile gaming over the weekend? Uh, Patrick, we cannot hear you at all. Sorry. I had there you mute. go. I had muted. Um, no I did do a lot of driving, uh, but when I was not driving, uh, my daughter, whenever she sees the Switch, she wants to steal it out of my hands, and I was in the back seat when I was not driving, so... Um, I did have one one night uh, when we were uh, at Thanksgiving where someone had to stay home while everyone else went out to go have fun, and I had to be a parent, and so I stayed home, which is fine. I was actually tired. <laughs> I, like, I didn't. I was like actually. Oh, I pretended I was disappointed I that I couldn't it. go. I love it when that lines up when you're. Just and like, then I was yeah, just I so Damn. tired. Like I I I try to like drink some. Like when I'm really tired, where coffee's just not doing anymore. That's when I I'll have like a like a small Coke or something like that. I just need something with like way more caffeine Mm -hmm. um and that just didn't do anything and i was like i can't do it i don't want to go bowling i love bowling i would find a way to find the energy but what if i didn't find a way to find the energy and i could just stay home (laughs) and so i pretended i was like super bummed that i couldn't go i was like ah you know what gotta be the debt you know what everyone go have fun i'm gonna take the hit tonight without me take one for the team you know i got you got a couple of half-hearted like are you sure like do you a week i was like i got it like give me some sympathy and secretly i'm like all right Pour one last drink, sit on the couch, try and keep my eyes open for 45 minutes and play this game, and then uh, I'm going to go to sleep at a reasonable time. So um, I did play about two hours of The Missing, the new awesome. uh, sweary uh, game, um, hmm. sort of a, a platformer puzzle game in which, a lot mechanically speaking, the, the main thing that you're doing is 
dismembering your body on purpose yeah. in order to solve uh, various puzzles. Um, I will say two hours in. So this game was sort of not on my radar at all. Like I saw some of the trailers and was just like, it's nothing in the trailers did anything for me. Um, and it was one of those games like, well, we'll see what the word of mouth is like. And then I'll reevaluate just in a sea of them. You know, so many games, like as much as I like uh, sweary stuff. Um, I was just like, I just don't know if I'll have time for that. Uh, and then there were just a slew of like critics that I really respect that said mm-hmm. this game was not only interesting, but like really powerful and had like really important uh, and provocative messages about like, just like uh, who you are and like, you know, and, and sort of identity uh, and like from a lot of like trans critics that were saying like, Hey, like this game fucking, you know, not perfect, but like is really powerful and interesting. I was like, okay, hmm. huh? <laughs> All right. Like that's a lot. And like the word, this game the, about trans, this game about, about uh, dismembering yourself to move forward is, is okay. Oof. It doesn't, it doesn't do, do like, you tell me those landing? pieces. And it's like, that was yeah. like, that's, do you know, like, sorry, like that doesn't seem like a thing that I is going to work. And it came and from, yeah. you know, and yet it was like, and it was, wasn't just like sort of, you know, it was specifically seeing it from like trans critics that were saying like, Speaking to these issues, they're like, actually, like, you should be paying attention. Yeah, there was attention. a piece by Heather Alexander over at Kotaku, mm-hmm. which was the first one that really drew my attention to it also. Or, like, again, I'd had attention on it because it was sweary, but it was not at the top of the list in no. a very busy fall. It was like a game I was going to play in, the, like, Christmas after, you know, in the holiday yeah. break and be like, yo, I, maybe if this is great, it'll, it should have been on my list, but I just didn't find the time for it. And so I will say in the first two hours, um, I have not found <laughs> what, what people are speaking to yet. I think I'm very early in the story. It's yet to sort of, like have a turn in fact it doesn't really have a story yet all i'm really doing right now is just dismembering myself and and uh solving some puzzles and that stuff is okay um you, but are I, you paying attention to the phone stuff are you are yeah you the phone stuff is good i will say yeah. like the, the the writing is uh, really well done in the cell phone like there's some really 2018 actually has some really strong cell phone writing the first episode of life is strange's new season um mm. had really 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 strong cell phone text writing um i would not say this is as good as that but it is also it is also well done um I guess I will just say, like, the mechanical stuff is just, like, so rough that I it, – it's fine, but it's not – I don't know if I'd go as far as say it's, like, good. And so I'm just kind of waiting for the story to pick up. I don't know if you got any yeah. further than me. Also, so, I got as far I'm as like, – yeah, yeah, as a yeah. puzzle, I'll yeah. say, uh, just so you have a, a sort of, like, a gauge of where I'm at, um, where you – there's, like, a body. There's, like, this big – creature like on a wall that is like spouting nonsense and then you okay. have to put like an arm and there's two legs torture, in a certain, yeah, in a certain yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. order so I'm, I'm past you by like 40 minutes okay. i'd say something like that or have you started doing the light and darkness stuff basically no i, I, I basically solved that puzzle with okay. the wheel so I think and then haven't done anything i think i'm a that. full section past you and that next section took me a little while um, I will say that you definitely start to get more of the questions about identity and sexuality and, and identity and, like, feelings of the world wanting this character to be something that – and she's being interested, she's interested in being other things. And that is not just about her queerness, not just about um, her, her gender identity. It is also just about, like, who she is, is as a person and all of the ways in which the world is pushing down on her and saying, no, like, fit into these molds. Um, and I think that there is – again, it's, like, one of those things that's, like, it feels so stressful to say the words, this is a game about solving problems via self-harm, <laughs> uh, via, like, via, like, very campy – um, video game campy, which does not mean like 
it, it can be it's gory. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, you like I, throw I, yourself. I, like, I want to talk through this, and I do want to say like I'm gonna. This whole section should probably have a content warning, which we'll add uh, after the fact. Yeah. But like, um, specifically a content warning for the next little bit because I'm gonna talk about how the puzzles are solved because it is not enough to just say you hurt yourself to solve puzzles. Like what you're doing is again content warning for the next like five minutes or whatever we talk about this. Is things like I'll throw myself into saw blades to cut my leg off so that I'm crawling on the ground so that I can crawl under a pit. Or so I have a, a leg to throw onto a switch to hold the switch down or to knock something off of a ledge. Um, it's it's just like very... Or down to your head. Point. So you can cut yourself down, your down to where your yes. head is bouncing around. And specifically often if you want to get the like donut collectibles, which then seem to unlock some extra... Uh, conversational conversations yeah, yeah which yeah. is like a good carrot for wa- like wanting to do that stuff um that usually which speaks involves... to the quality of those conversations because yes. otherwise you wouldn't care no but yeah you have um, a little head bouncing around and it's like very comic and like goofy um which again like at the point where i'm in i'm like still struggling to figure out because the story has been so light and hasn't really like gone in too many directions yet it mm-hmm. feels the way people talked about this game certainly feels at odd with like the aesthetic that I have certain I've experienced, you know, 90 minutes in. Yeah. So I'm just on the edge. I'm just on the okay. edge of seeing that stuff. And I've had to sidebar it to talk about other more recent games because that's what our job is. And that can be very frustrating sometimes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to hopefully finish. That's all my list of things to finish this week if I can get mm-hmm. to it. Um, because I, I, my inters- well, I talked to somebody else who'd beaten it recently. They're like, oh, you're like very close to like the big turn, okay. uh, uh, kind of the big final stuff. So it's only like four it's not or five hours long. Game. So, like, I'm, I'm going to yeah, give it exactly. its time. Like, I'm, you know. And I, I you know, I, just going back to it, like, I think there was something very powerful in the notion of like, there was, there is, there's a way to do a game in which puzzle solving through self harm is the most, um, like shock driven edge edgy like just kind of shitty and um uh, it's an attempted play at just to get a very clumsy metaphor for what you're trying to get at At, at the best and here it there are moments when it feels clumsy and there there are lots of moments where it feels it feels like it's touching some tender spots and i mean tender in the in like the open wound sense in the like my my skin hurts sense um but there are but it 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 feels a little bit more informed and critical in in the idea there's so much about it so, so i was thinking so rami ismail had a tweet this past weekend about um something entirely different uh what is rami's twitter what is oh, rami's, at uh, rami the underscore right? the the underscore yeah. rami t h a underscore rami talking about pokemon and talking about um like, do you think that, you know, what would it be like to grow up on a, on the island, on, a, on Pokemon Island, on, on Kanto Island or whatever, where you're, like, running around as a kid and, like, what's happening with all the other kids? Why is it that the, the nurses do this? And like, very much, like, poking fun at, in good humor, the kind of ridiculous absurdity of a world in which the world of Pokemon happens. Like, right. no, that world is, doesn't make any sense. It's completely ridiculous. And and that, plus some comments from some, some other people, got me thinking about games as poetics. Um, we often think about games in this very um, uh, representational sen- uh, sense of, like, a game happens. A thing, things that happen on the screen happen in the game. Like that is the true thing that happened in the fiction of the world. Right. So you look at something like Life is Strange, and like that's it's not you know uh, it's not a, a 
it's not a, a story with no contradictions or with no inconsistencies, but like the events that happen on the screen are the events that happen in the story. But sometimes in a game, there is abstraction happening and there is a sort of poetics happening in which there is there are symbols at work, uh, and those symbols often play through gameplay, right? Those range from something like The Missing, in which self-harm and the feeling of needing to break yourself up into little pieces, the feeling of needing to, like, walk through obstacles that hurt you as the only way to get forward and to become your true self and etc., to, you know, XCOM, a game in which you're supposedly fighting this war against aliens, but at most you're ever fielding six people. Like, that's not how wars are fought. Wars aren't fought, fought between six people and 20 aliens. They're fought between 6,000 people and 800, you know, 8,000 aliens or whatever it is. But but in the realm of games, there's, an, there's a low layer of abstraction there, partially because you want to tell a slightly different type of story. You want to tell a story about six soldiers. You know, or a Fire Emblem is another great one, right? Fire Emblem's narratives are all about world-ending huge battles where these leaders are supposed leading in thousands of troops but really it's just like it's two people who are dating right and so like okay partly they want to tell a story about people who are dating they want to tell like anime love story stuff but partly it is also this feeling of um how can you communicate something in this poetic symbolic sense uh with the with the rhythm of of uh gameplay or with the what what type of images can be called to mind you know because you could do the thing that that war games do for instance where you f you know you have a unit on a map that literally represents 1000 you know, 1,000 uh, tanks are, are in this battalion. That's too many tanks. Battalions don't have that many tanks. Rob's going to kill me for saying 1,000 tanks in a battalion. Rob, don't he listen to this. He just threw Rob. the podcast across <laughs> he the, just the table. Um, just... But you know what I mean? Like, oh, this unit stands for 1,000 troops. Or you can do the XCOM thing of this this uh, single soldier has a name and you're just pretending that it's six people versus the world. Um, and I think the missing is one of those things that really forces you to remember that that is the way that games work, that they work in that range of representational states. Because the most powerful version of this story is the one in which you are, for me, the moments that have worked the most are the parts where I'm like just suffering through it. Where I'm just like, this fucking sucks. I don't want to walk into a saw blade again. I don't want to do it. And the thing that that ends up communicating is something that is not, the thing that, that sucks about it is not, I don't want to walk into a saw blade again. It's, I can't believe the only way I can make forward progress in this game is through hurting myself. The only way that I can like get to whatever the ending of this is, is through this constant state of trial and error and, and breaking myself into little pieces. And I know that in the, in the poem of this game, the thing that is happening, or sorry, in the narrative of this game, this is not about one person walking into 32 different saw blades and being crushed by 72 different crushing things. Um, even if, you know, in the think about what the movie version of this game would be, the anime version of this, there would not be this many saw blades. There would be an episode about a saw blade, 100%. <laughs> uh, but, but in the game, you have to do that thing. And part of that is just getting that effect, because if you just did it once, it would not stick with you in that same way. Well, does the fact that it's slapstick help or hurt that? Does that kind of like complicate this? Does it complicate that sort of poetic? I don't think it's. It? I, I think there are there are parts that feel there are parts that feel campy. I think like it's not slapstick. It's not played for laugh. I don't think it's ever played for laughs. I think that there are some awkward chuckles. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah. I mean, like, if, if the alternative is if you're choosing this particular way of expressing it thematically through the gameplay, if you were to adopt a more serious tone, I don't like. Could you? 
that would be too much. I couldn't get right? through it. So like, if you, I, if, if, I, if, I, like, think of it like if, if they were to, if like, if they're the decisions, if they're choosing, this is their way of expressing um, the themes uh, sort of mechanically. If it was to be like, it sounded every time that you were doing this, that it felt like, sounded like real bodily harm that you did. Like you, the that Tomb you Raider so deaths. Yes. The, the, yes. the right, Tomb Raider, right, right. if it was doing that, yes. I couldn't get through stuff. this game. Yeah. yeah, the torture point right. stuff. Like, I would not be able to get through this and game. And so I think they, you know, it seems maybe chose wisely to like find some middle where it's like you're just turning the dial a couple of nods and so like that you're it's not overwhelming where like it stings right like it's it's like it you 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 get like what it's going for but it's not overpowering in a sense where it feels uh uh, uh masochistic in a way that yeah like torture porn is probably the, the appropriate comparison there it doesn't because they, yeah. they could have done a version like that but then especially the way that the themes this game is playing with it sounds like that would have been to do that for four hours how never- could you do that so one, I would just wouldn't want to see it. And two, to the degree that this is a game about, like from the jump, this is clearly a game about a queer relationship. It is, it is two women out camping and like clearly in love with each other. And they, they get separated from each other. And, and you're playing the one who's like chasing the one who, who kind of goes missing, the missing. Um, and there are, there is one, I think that there is room in the world for marginalized creators to make art that one is not for me. So if a marginalized creator was like, no, I want to make the game in which this character is tearing themselves apart in Tomb Raider style detail, fucking more power to you. If you want to do that, like go for it. Um, I, I might not be able to get through it. And there certainly have been works of art in the history of the world made by both marginalized and non-marginalized creators um, who that, that deal with things that aren't for me. And I just am okay with that Two. I think there's a separate question there, though, which is, is this coming from a, who does that benefit, right? So, like, if an independent creator was, like, as a trans person, I think this is a really powerful, um, uh, um, you know, metaphor for for change and for transformation and for the pressures of the outside world and for blah, 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 blah. And so I want to do this in this hyper-realistic sense. Rad. Big corporation, not that I, I don't even know who published this game, but but Arc you know, System uh, games, <laughs> sure. Arc System, Arc System work being like I want to, I we're going to publish a game in which we depict the mutilation of of queer bodies over and over again in a realistic, in a highly realistic way. There, I kind of have to draw a line in terms of like it being a thing that I'm chill with because then it's literally about the profit motive and it stops just being about the creation of an art form. This, I think, smartly says it can't... One, it's just not going for that type of realism to begin with. But two, I think that it avoids that reaction from, from me. Um, and it, it, it avoids the sort of, like, um, appropriation of queer pain because it is it feels authentic to the experience of queer pain, but also because it doesn't fetishize the pain in a way that's, like interested in depicting it in unique and different ways over and over and over again it doesn't become rote at any point like every time i go into a new level i'm like oh boy what the fuck is this gonna do but it never it it is neither it's not like an old adventure game where i'm curious to see the deaths and it's not and it's also not like the tomb raider reboot where each death is this like particularly devised like you said torture. And, and there's style. not like achievements tied to like throw yourself into the meat grinder 500 times and see how the arms come out. Right, I don't think right. so. Yeah, I, I hope not. I actually don't know if that's true. I hope. Well, I guess Switch I doesn't have achievements, so I'm playing it on Switch, so I'm yeah, not getting exactly. Mm, okay, exactly. hold on, hold same, on, hold on. Same. I'm going to look up the, the, missing, yeah, the missing achievements. achievements. Steam. 
Um, and I, I want to be clear. I think that this, this that the conversation I was having, the, the the divide I was making before between independent art and corporate art and all that stuff is very blurry. I don't think that there's like an easy like. Well, if this game was made by twelve people, that's one too many persons, so they're not allowed to do blank. Like I think it's super blurry. I think that whatever the the line between kind of personal art and the and kind of public and and privatized art is there's a weird space there, especially as independent artists gain recognition and are able to do, um, uh, you know, other stuff. I think it's also especially the case given, given Swery has had missteps in this space before. I, l- I like a lot of what Deadly Premonition does, but there's a character who is just the the worst, who's like the the end of the Thomas character, the, the reveal of the Thomas character in the kind of final act is, falls into all of the worst tropes around, um, you know, pathologizing uh queer bodies and making 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 trans transness into villainy it's the worst um do you see any bad achievements here there are only two but they seem everything seems plot related so i think whatever it is is related to something you're doing with your body in the plot um there's also i wish i had the the line in front of me but the game starts with like a very uh Right, like it starts with a line that's like everyone yeah. should be like believed for who they. I, I'm I'm butchering what yeah, it I'll, is. Yeah, I'll read it. It's uh, this game was made with the belief that nobody is wrong for being what they are. Um, okay. Which I think is a which is, you know which is, it sort of sets a certain tone, sets a certain intention. Well, I've st- I've yet I yeah. would be has anyone interviewed Swery about this game because like I would be I don't know super curious to know. I have to re- see, see more of it before like I guess you know see where I fall on it, but. Um, just very risky narrative choice um, because there's, oh yeah, if you, it sounds like it's largely suck the landing, but it's not. A, had you got ninety percent of it and messed up the last ten percent, like you don't get credit, right? Yeah, I've just checked this long play, and I am in fact just under two hours away from the end. So I'm going to try to push through this this week. I have two hours. I can find two hours. I can do it. So. I'm very curious. Um, Certainly, whenever gallows humor is kind of used in games, it's it tends to be all the way camp, or it tends to be all right. the way, all the way in orbit, that kind of thing, which has its uses. I mean, just briefly, like most of the people in my life that have seen the worst things and uh, have the worst feelings uh, in general use a lot of gallows humor. It is sort of something that is a defense mechanism and a coping mechanism. So I'm totally. always curious to see how it's treated in any. Any game, any movie, any sort of piece. So definitely, yeah. So I'm, I, Danielle, I would love to hear your take on this stuff, a hundred percent. So hopefully, this is one of those ones. that's like, do we try to all make time for it so we can talk about it towards the end of the year? Because four and a half hours or so is not that long in the in the scope of a year filled with seventy hour fucking yeah, games. Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah, I it it might be. I mean, I think you and I will probably at least get to the end. And Danielle, I think you definitely should. Yeah. You know, we'll. I'm also just curious about for both of you. Like, I'm coming this as a game as a person who isn't a big platformer fan. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just curious. True. So it's it's weird for me because I'm like, it's I'm cl- playing dude, it's the clumsy game. as fuck. Like, it's not yeah, it's okay. not fun to control. I const- I know that Japanese games swap A and B, but like this game, like I, I am constantly I forgetting it. how the uh-huh. just the con- basic controls work. I'm jumping when I mean mm-hmm. to crawl. I'm crawling when I mean to jump. I'm accidentally. It's just yeah no it's it's uh, clumsy in all the ways that sweary games mechanically have often been clumsy but um, mm-hmm. and the puzzles are like just good enough that they're not like overly irritating when they don't make like 
I don't know. It's fine. Like, but that's always been Square's thing, right? It's like you're not there for the mechanics. Yeah. It, it, often you, it's better when the mechanics are serving the thematics, even if they're not necessarily like quote unquote fun in the traditional mm-hmm. sense. And this game seems to be riding that fine line enough. And also, it's the notion that what sold me on it was four hours. Like, I was not going to play twelve hours. Like, once I played an hour, I was like, oh, Jesus. Like, I don't know if I can play a game this rough for twelve hours. But four right. hours, like, I can. I can do so. You can get through it. You can get um, through it. So yeah, we'll have to loop speaking, back around. Speaking, yeah. Speaking of violence and mutilation and everything else, <laughs> Danielle, you've been playing more of Hitman too. Yes, I have. Um, this is actually my first experience hands-on with Hitman. Oh, I awesome. like you. Uh, in 2016, watched a ton of Hitman, mm-hmm. the the 2016 game didn't really play it. I have a copy of this like sitting there and I'm frustrated <laughs> that it's just sitting there. I know, but I finally got my hands on this one and I am really, really enjoying it. Uh, obviously I actually had a, a lot of, I had a lot of problems with the first mission. I really, I died a lot in the first mission. The, the New Zealand beach mission? Beach, yeah. Yeah, okay. Just for whatever reason. Uh, I'm doing fine now. I did the sort of training mission. shook it and, off, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, I guess it was a, it has to do with, okay, so I love Dishonored, love Dishonored too, mm-hmm. love Death of the Outsider, of course. Uh, but it always felt like those games gave you a lot of leeway once things oh, go yeah. wrong, and they always go wrong. And so, you know, uh, even though I play high, you know, those games I play high, mm. high level of being seen, but not but killing low people. low death. Yes, right. exactly. That's kind of how I do. Yeah. Right? Low chaos, but high broken stealth They see stuff. me. But I put yeah. them to sleep, and then I put them in the recovery position because I'm a very polite EMT, and I want right. them to all be okay. And I put them in. But Hitman Two doesn't have like a, a sleep dart gun, right? That like when things go when things go bad in Hitman, things go bad. They go bad. Yeah. Or they there. I guess there's a, a sleep dart gun, except what it is is a can of spaghetti. Like can it of spaghetti. is. A, <laughs> yeah. There's like a couple a fire things you can throw that won't kill them. You know that kind yeah, of. Yeah. Most things that you can throw aren't death instruments. They're exactly. just like things you find, right? Exactly. So I'm still playing like that. For sure. Okay. Uh, once, you know, once I got off the beach, there's a lot of other ways of kind of, uh, you know, recovering a little bit, I guess, once you screw up. Uh, yeah. Which is. The skies changes and, like, yeah. distractions and stuff. You can blend in a little bit better. You yeah. know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. Although I am, of course, because I'm weird. Uh, every time I'm like, okay, would this actually kill you in real life? Hmm. And how would I fix that? Like, as an EMT. <laughs> so I'm, like, watching this and playing it. And I'm just like. I wonder how much poison he's putting in there and how much I would have to do to, okay, like, explain. To instantly send this person to the bathroom. How much emetic rat poison do I need to include to make someone go puke out their guts? Exactly. It's like, well, I could give them activated charcoal for that, but I don't know how quickly would I need to give it to them? How would they survive this? (laughs) It's weird. I mean, of course, it makes me want, like, the, the EMS version of this game, right? Where, like, right. okay, there's a Hitman player working, and then there's, like, the paramedic player working <sighs> to, like, revive the person each time, and, like, they need right. the right tools. This is just me being me. I'm enjoying yes. the game quite a bit. I think it's a lot of fun. Of course, it's, like, very immersive simmy in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe a little less so, obviously, than something like Prey. I take a drink. Sure. I said the word Prey again. Uh, but, like... 
very, very, very fun, very systemic. And I will always be here for the million ways you can do different things and the million ways you can use your different verbs and like mess with the yeah. systems. There was, there was, it's funny, I kind of did the lead in on this by talking about like, oh, speaking of mutilation, <laughs> but one of the things that, that uh, there was a, the review of this game, I just, I read it recently from Rick Lane over at uh, The Guardian actually ends on this notion. I think it's really interesting. I'm curious what your talk, what your thoughts on, um, on it are. Great quote, uh, Rick says. Hitman 2 is a refreshing alternative to the vast open worlds that dominate big-budget gaming, where many games work to put the player in a constant state of distraction, rushing around in an often vain attempt to see everything they offer. Hitman 2 has the confidence to let you stand still, to sample the wine, and drink in the atmosphere as you plan your next tiny yet devastating move. Indeed, no other action game encourages players to think about how to minimize their violence, and for that alone, Hitman 2 stands out among the less mindful killing of its peers. Yeah. Curious what your what your th- thoughts are on that stuff. Both the, like, you know, a lot of immersive sims are about moving through empty spaces and about just, like, hey, this world's empty already, everyone's dead, or, like, here's, like, seven people alive, and you'll see them eventually uh, picking through their remains, you know, on the way. Hitman is about like being in a place, places that are hyperactive, like filled with citizens, with regular civilians, just like walking around, um, and you don't have access to who they are or what they're doing there outside of like, oh yeah, I guess they're here to see a race. Okay, yeah, I guess they're here to shop. Um, but then also that idea of like, it ties into what you were saying before. This is not a game in which once you pull your gun out and start shooting that you can erase that by going to hide somewhere, really. Like you, you can kind of like, again, you can change disguises or whatever, but like it's it's it is not a thing that you can de-escalate quickly. And so every little bit of violence, you really have to know that you're ready to commit. Yeah, absolutely. And the funny thing about that, hearing that quote, I was actually playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey while this loaded. Like, yeah. you know, I spent another hour yeah, yeah. in, you know, uh, Xena world, just running mm-hmm. around and, yeah. and fucking around. Because I'm, I'm not doing anything of note in that game. I really am just using it as my playground while other games like load or mm-hmm. download or whatever. So... Uh, going into this, that was incredibly, incredibly uh, relevant to me. Like, oh, even the way 47 moves is so deliberate. Right. It is so specific. Like, even sort of the decision to, like, run while crouching feels very, very deliberate and very, very... Compared to Cassandra, who is just, like, all fucking elbows. Just like, yeah, just jumping everywhere. Just, yeah, I... I didn't I, even ride I, the horse in that game. I just sprint up mountains and throw her off the side of the mountain. And she's fine. Right, she's fine. fine. It's, yeah, I mean, so yeah. I was just... I was just I'm in another chat with some friends of mine, and I was just uh, talking about this because there was a conversation about how much – we were talking about about games that op- – open world games this year and, like, the feeling of, like, whether or not they hate you or not, I guess, is the best way to talk <laughs> yes. about it. Yes. With on one end, one extreme is the um, – the Assassin's Creed, the Assassin's Creed games were like, you're basically going in and out of combat, no big deal, just fucking people up and and jumping off of cliffs and it's it's nothing, right? Or Spider-Man, I think, is similar. Uh, and the other end of it is like Red Dead, where that is a game that constantly is just like, you are the heaviest thing in the world. Uh, your horse slipped and tri- and you tripped and now you're fucking dead, you idiot. <laughs> your guns are breaking. Everything is falling apart constantly. Um, and uh, the friends who I was talking to about it were very much like on the on the the side of uh, the Assassin's Creeds and the Spider Mans. Um, and in talking through it, I, I hit this analogy, which is that. 
for me, games like Spider-Man and Assassin's Creed want to give you the fantasy of being able to jump off a building and hit the ground and keep running. And that's I'm not dissing that fantasy. It's just not my fantasy. Games like Red Dead want you to jump off the cliff and splat on the ground and then like chide you for having had the the poor the you know the the poor controls or the the bad thought to have leapt off a building in the first place. The fantasy I want from my games is to be falling from a building to actually and to be in danger of hitting the ground and dying and then at the last minute to you know grab onto something and swing away. Yeah. The last minute to avert that danger. But I need that danger to feel just extremely real. And Hitman 2 does that for me super well. Again, disclosure, close friends with one of the writers on the game. Um, but, like, that's what I want for my games. And in general, I will err towards putting my character in risk, putting my playthrough at risk, you know, putting myself in risk. Because then at least, even if it feels unfair at times, which Red Dead definitely does at times, um, I will have that feeling of... Um, there's a chance, there's a feeling that maybe I can pull out, you know, get, get away from the danger. Uh, and that is something that a lot of games just don't give me. Even, even stuff like um, God of War this year is a game that I, I enjoyed the combat in a lot. But outside of those Valkyrie fights, I never felt in danger. I, I either was fighting a fight I knew I couldn't win because I was out-leveled, or I was fighting a fight that I could win, that I could win, and it wouldn't be a big deal. I love it when games give me, put me in that gray area or put me in that, that blurry area where it's like, ooh, can I pull this one off? You know, we were talking about Battletech earlier. My favorite parts of that game are like, I'm being pushed to my limits. Um, that is my fucking favorite thing in games from, from you know, board games to tabletop role-playing games to video games to sports is like, I'm an Eagles fan, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I want what happened to the Eagles this past weekend where they are down going into the second half and they fucking pull it off. And that is the feeling I've been, I've been raised on that feeling. And partially, and I don't think this is a rare thing, like, underdog stories are the fucking law of the land. Uh, in Hollywood, this is not a rare thing, right? Like throughout comic books, throughout mythology, throughout popular fiction, the underdog is the overdog, right? Like that is not, or of course, but in games we don't get that that often. Or what we do is we get a very linear progression where it goes from like you go from being weak to then being able to be strong later. You come back to where you were weak. You know, you know, fuck you. I have a flaming sword now, motherfucker. I'm gonna kill all these goblins who used to give me. An trouble. SCP are like Dark Souls, I, right? Like, is that that's totally. a game that understands it accomplishes both, right? Like the Soul series. Yes. When you go back to an area that you've uh, sort of mastered the mental map of, where it's like, oh, I know where to go. I know what I'm doing. I'm gonna avoid the obvious mm -hmm. dangers that fucked me up before. Like that is rewarding your observation, like the time investment. Um, but at the same time, like when you get at cocky any at any moment, one of those little goblins yep. can fuck you up. But also, like the existence of the bosses is always a check on you. Like you are never. Yeah. I mean, there are ways you can fuck with the power curve. You play Demon Souls, you use magic, you can kind of break the game in half. Yeah. But like, like generally, those games are structured in a way where they're going to reward you um, for like the uh, along a curve that is re that is rewarding, and you and you are, are better at it. But it always go is going to put a check on you that like challenges you in some way that like reminds yeah. you that like who's actually in control here and that's part of the huge appeal of the game is that there's oh the moment you feel like oh i've got it the game's like moves the goalpost back rug out. five yep. five yards totally my favorite wanna, thing oh, in those go, go no no you go ahead i was gonna posit a spectrum here of like stickiness versus smoothness and games that are like completely yeah. smooth that just completely 
everything they do is about removing yep. barriers. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is about removing barriers. 100%. Obviously, there's some like, combat, is... there's some checks yeah. on things, but like the experience of playing it is about being as smooth and slick and just yep. flying through things. This is versus... the, the thing that I say in, yeah. in that Red Dead. So I wrote about this in the Red Dead review, right? Yeah, or the course. first Red Dead letter series, which is like friction. Uh, the thing, one of my, the best examples in Assassin's Creed is you can be on a horse going full speed and still loot the like crafting materials. You can literally just like, Cassandra's like, I guess on a horse going full again, we're going back to poetics and things not being literally yep. representational. But you're fucking riding a horse nonstop, hyper fast. And it's like, give me those fucking trees. I gotta put these in my backpack. I gotta craft a boat thing with this. And just like grabbing it, grabbing it, grabbing it. In the Red Dead world, you'd have to stop your horse slowly get off your horse go over to a tree you can't even do this with trees but you know the equivalent kneel down we'd get a, a button prompt thing where arthur has to pull out a hacksaw and slowly start to saw away the the tree it would be this incredibly what do you say it's sticky right like this this though you'd zoom in on that there'd be no smoothness to it at all i think that spectrum is exactly right or is one spectrum it's right? one way it's of not... looking at it. yeah there's a million of course ways totally of um, and I think Hitman 2 is nicely in the middle there somewhere, right? Or, it's fairly or, sticky. I, yeah, I would it's, call it's it fairly sticky. Fairly sticky. Put it on the back of the box. Danielle Riendo, fairly <laughs> yeah. sticky. Sticky game. Put it in the next trailer. The accolades. When they, Hitman 2, Io, when you put out the accolades trailer, please include fairly sticky Danielle, Danielle Riendo, well, comma, waypoint. With a big thumbs up. I also like yeah. it, though, as a way of, like, it sticks in your head, too, right? Yeah, like, totally. That totally. might be more memorable, even if it is, like, more annoying on well, some levels, that right? Is, like, I mean, think back to where we talked about me bouncing off of um, Fortnite, where I was like, well, the problem with Fortnite for me is I can't tell a good story about getting into a fucking bunny-hopping shotgun fight at the end of the game. <laughs> and that it's the same like it's that same thing it is it's like the stickier it is maybe not the stickier it is but there's a sweet sticky spot <laughs> where where thumbs where, up thumbs up sweet sticky spot where i can tell and i can narrativize the thing that happened yeah. where it it actually does change from being poetics into being a kind of fiction into prose where it's like, okay, now I can actually tell you the specific instances of what the gameplay did in this moment. And I can give you the Austin Walker eight minute long monologue yeah. about this one horse ride I went on where I ran into a guy and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and that's, that is when games really hit their sweet spot for me is when I can start to narrativize them. And in general, that happens when it feels like my gameplay experience felt unique because of the introduction of stickiness and friction where that is the the mech with the one arm is all fucked up or the 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 guy falls off his horse in red dead and then i end up being chased by the cops because i bumped into somebody and then blah 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 blah. like that stuff ends up being my favorite stuff whereas i feel like with something like assassin's creed odyssey i suspect your experience with that game and my experience with that game are going to be fairly similar outside of character build and the order that we took certain missions in you know um, and I suspect that's actually probably true also for Red Dead, but in the moment of playing or, or for, uh, for Hitman, like, yeah, I, I bet you everybody does the same six Hitman, like, uh, 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 story opportunities, story missions or whatever, the things where you're like, okay, I'm going to kill this person with this special, unique way that's built into this level. I bet you a lot of people do those same ones, but in the moment, it still feels like it's my story because you end up doing the like, well, and then what happened was... You know, the the, the, uh, the the stage tech almost walked in as I was choking this guy out. But then, you know, thankfully they didn't see me in the mirror, so I blah, 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 whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, video games. Not That's all what the I way have sticky. To say. Yeah, right. <laughs> not, right, not all the go. way sticky. Not all the way. For some video games, not all the way sticky. 
Uh, anything else before we wrap up? Patrick, I have down iOS oh, golf Oh, yeah, I just game. want to quickly shout out. This will take 30 seconds. Um, there's a game called Golf Peaks. It is on, uh, at least on iOS. I'm not sure it's on Android. Um, it's also on Steam. Um, like, the short version of it is it's like a uh, golf, uh, like mini golf with cards. Um, okay. It's not deck building. So you're not, like, okay. uh, creating, you know, you're not, like, pulling, like, the different oh. moves you like to use. But it's the, the way it's it's golf mini golf sort of with um but you're also like able to hit it in the air um with uh, uh it's they're puzzles so it, like just breaks down like tr- trying to get to a certain hole um into uh these different cards you can play so like you can have one that like hits it in the it's all divided into grid so it's like you have a card that's uh hit the ball uh three spaces forward you have one that's like hit the the um it can skip two spaces and then go one after that um and right. so you have different cars that uh, you know give you different maneuvers and then um you use that to solve like these like small grid puzzles it's delightful i managed to like blast through it in like way too fast like in an hour and a half um except with the exception of some of the sort of uh last handful of advanced challenges but it's a it's like three bucks and it's just like a really delightful game and uh like i'm as someone that enjoy it, it's it's weird because it's like as someone that uh plays a fair amount of golf it like it's the one it's it's what you wish golf was was which is that oh it's just oh if i i just have to do this and then the if i just the ball just goes exactly where i know where it needs to go it'll do it but then the other half of it is the physical part of actually executing that uh maneuver so it's fun to play a game where i can take out the part that i constantly fuck up which is the actually swinging of the iron so <laughs> right you could just do the puzzle solving it looks almost it reminds me in some way of the hitman go yeah like, yeah 100 yeah. percent. yeah it is go it, 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 yeah like bit. taking yeah abstracting like the mechanics of the thing into uh uh a turn-based affair which card. is yeah the hallmark of the go games this does that for golf and it's yeah it's super cool um yeah golf cool. peaks Last little thing for me is I checked in on No Man's Sky's new update. No Man's Sky has continued. No Man's Sky Next came out this year, and we were like, oh, wow, cool. That's a cool thing. I wonder what they'll do next year. And the answer is they'll do two other big content updates this year ahead of the end of the year. Um, So they did one around Halloween called Abyss, I think, which was, like, all about underwater stuff. And I did not even get into that stuff. That stuff seemed really fucking cool. Um, like new new giant underwater creatures and all sorts of new like sunken wrecks and a new submarine thing, almost like something out of Subnautica. Um, but then last week in time, just for Thanksgiving, they released uh, uh, Visions, which changed, which like new skyboxes and like it, weird like uh, uh, atmospheric effects. Fireworks! I saw there were fireworks. Fireworks. Nice. Um, new like more like rainbows. Um, and a bunch of other stuff that's just, like, cool. Oh, um, archaeology. Like, you can find, like, ancient alien dinosaur bones now. All right. And yeah, that's cool that could hell. be a way that you could be, like, instead of killing stuff or whatever, or instead on top of being, you know, Pokemon Snap style, being a researcher who goes around, like, a, and takes takes pictures, you can now start digging up old bones. Yeah. Uh, all sorts of other cool stuff there. Um, uh, and I, I logged in enough to be like, man, I really like this game and also to do, so they do big community events now, which they, they added just after next uh, launched. I don't know if it's just for this new update or, or if this has, has been happening with all these community events, but you kind of get a call from one of the NPCs in the game, um, Polo, who is the little Gek researcher who's on that special ship that shows up every now and then. Uh, and, uh, Polo gives you like coordinates to a portal and you take the portal and the portal takes you to a portal is like a, on the, it's like a Stargate, 
or something on one of the nearby planets, and you can take that to a special system where there are a bunch of other player characters. It, like, it brings everyone together to work on a specific goal in a specific system for the next week or whatever. And it was such a cool experience to walk through this portal and then be beset by you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of these little communication devices that had been left behind that all say things like Guten Tag or like, hey, from Hawaii. Yeah. And like, oh, really cool. Like, there's all these other people who are here. And there's a base that someone has built on this planet that like is a great starting spot for us to all start working on this community uh, challenge together. I forget what the community challenge was because I only did it for a little bit. But I think it was like, you know, okay, we need we need a thousand scans of unique life forms across this whole system or whatever it is. Um, and so, like, as you do that, you end up unlocking community rewards, like new um, new helmets and, you know, new uh, aesthetic aesthetic rewards, new new emotes. That's how you got the, the fireworks. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, if you get through all of the tiers as a group, you'll unlock the That's fireworks for everybody. It's a really cool little thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to continue to check in on that as the year wraps up. It's, it's, it is so... Especially in the wake of something like Fallout 76, it's so good to remember that, like, I can be really frustrated with the game at launch, which I wasn't with No Man's Sky, but I am with Fallout 76, (laughs) and hold on to hope that, like, a year and a half from now, that could be a game that's really good. You know? I can step away from it now, let the people who are enjoying it enjoy it, and for me, you know, wonder and hope that over the course of time they can confront some of the things that I really dislike and, and maybe uh, iterate on them until there's something a little more in my, in my taste. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Um, all right. I think that that is going to do it for us today. Thank you for hanging out with us for this uh, uh, pretty long episode of Waypoint Radio. As long as you can find... Yeah, exactly. Um, I think this is a pretty sticky episode I of Waypoint so Radio. You know, I, I don't technically think need to go eat lunch, but you guys are doing a good job of fucking ruining that. <laughs> Making sure you just have nothing, nothing. You don't want to eat anything <laughs> nope. today. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Danielle? At Danielle R.I. And how about you, Patrick? At Patrick Klopik. Follow everything Waypoint does at twitter.com slash Waypoint. Shout out to Kato for producing this. This is You can follow Kato at a, a underscore Kato underscore appears. As always, you can find the uh, the song for this Wow, I am is I need that lunch now, Patrick. That's what's happening. Shout out to Bowen for letting us use the track. Miss you off the EP panel machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. And there's one more reminder. We are doing Mark of the Ninja for the Waypoint 101. There was a great form uh, thread up over on the forums. Shout outs to RoboWitch for setting that up. Um, and shout outs to the, to the users on the forums. We're already having lots of great conversations. So go check that out. We're hoping to have that in for the second to last week of, of December or the last week somewhere in there. So get through that. It's about 10 hours long. And again, it's on just about every platform. And, and hey, maybe by the time you hear this, there will be some like Cyber Monday deals still happening. So you can grab it at a, at a reasonable price. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for us this week. Or not this week. We'll be back later this week with even more stuff. The First Purge. Go listen to The First Purge. That episode will go up of um, Be Good and Rewatch It later this week. So go watch The First Purge. Not the not the, No, the movie. Purge the Fourth one. Purge. The First the Purge. Movie, <laughs> the movie. The Fourth Purge <laughs> called The First Purge. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for us. Peace. Be good. Be good at it. Watch The First Purge. Watch The First Purge. Peace.
planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.